Welcome. You are listening to Intentional Conversations from Nika White Consulting, an encore presentation of our weekly podcast where we intersect diversity, equity, and inclusion with leadership and business. Let the conversation begin. Now, you know what happens, podcast community? It is big for me to go ahead and read before bringing on our guest co-host, their official bio, because I want you to know all of the accolades, the credentials, how they're showing up to this space. And so this is my way of honoring all of the hard work that they've put into getting to where they are. And I want to extend that same courtesy and respect to our guest co-host today, Christy Rutherford. A globally recognized leader, Christy Rutherford is an executive leadership coach that assists women with being promoted through office, politics, and self-care. Her clients have received over 11 million in salary raises in a pandemic. An author, Christy published five, not one, two, three, four, but five number one best-selling books on Amazon, and get this, in eight months. We need to talk about that. I need to understand, when did you sleep? Um, Christy is a Harvard Business School alumna and certified executive leadership coach from Georgetown University. She was recently featured in Black Enterprise and has been featured in Forbes multiple times. Christy is the 13th African-American woman to achieve the rank of commander, lieutenant colonel um, equivalent in the U.S. Coast Guard's 230 plus year history where her demographic was 0.1%. 0.1%. She responded to the needs of the citizens in New Orleans two days after Hurricane Katrina and had a three-year congressional fellowship with the House of Representatives. Christie's academic portfolio also includes an MBA and a pastry chef diploma. Among her many professional accomplishments, her national recognition includes Harvard Business School's 2018 Launching New Ventures Pitch Contest, Grand Master Champion, Cambridge Who's Who Amongst Executives and Professionals, Career Communications STEM Technology All-Star, and the Edward R. Williams Award for Excellence in Diversity. Podcast community, for those of you who know what we do now, I want you to model it for us, find those accolades, find those words of affirmation, but let's show gratitude and appreciation to our guest co-host today, Christy Rutherford. Go to the chat, go to the comments. Yay! <laughs> Steve, we are so thrilled to have you here with us. And I am going to turn you loose to greet this audience in your own way. But before I do that, one of the things we do here on the Intentional Conversations podcast is, you know, now that we've read your bio, now that we've talked about all of your experiences, I'm going to ask you, this is a hard question, I'm not sure, but I want you to share with us something we would not know about you from reading your bio or even from reading your LinkedIn profile. So welcome, my friend. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Nika. I'm excited to be here to share with your audience. So one of the things that people won't know about me, I would say two, I can sew, I made my prom dress, and two, I know how to drive a tractor. I'm from South Carolina. So y'all would never know. <laughs> yes. I was going to get to that next because we just discovered actually today that we have met before. You reminded me of that years ago, maybe like 2014, I believe that you said, and that you are from South Carolina. And so we have some common ground here. And so I couldn't be more elated to, to have those, um, those commonalities with you. And so Christy, I'm so grateful that you are spending your time with us. And get this, I have to share this with the audience. Christy is on vacation this week, right? 
not staycation, not workcation, but on vacation. And um, and she's here with us, y'all. I think that deserves, you know, certainly some snaps, some claps, some emojis into the chat. We are grateful. We are grateful. We really are. So thank you so much. Okay, so we're going to jump right in, shall we? Oh, definitely. I'm excited. Oh, definitely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I want you to tell us about your journey. You know, what inspired you, Christy, to become an advocate for women's advancement in the workplace? Give us that story. Ooh, you know, um, I've been in the game a long time. I actually got a, a text from one of my mentees from my previous career. And he, um, he and another one of my direct reports, it was two of them. In 2010, I cast a vision for them to be at a certain rank and in a certain elite position in our organization, in my former organization. They, they're both there. Two of them are there and they're at that rank, right? And so he was like, man, how did you do it? And so a part of, you know, my goal and my dreams and, and, and what I've been doing, like I've been doing this for a long time, I, long before social media was around. I've been casting visions for people. I, I can see the gift in people, even if they didn't see it in themselves. And when I initially got these two young men, they didn't want to stay in the organization. They were both going to resign. And so to be able to, to give them insight and the fuel and have conversations with them 12 years ago, he's like, I remember when you told me this. I remember when you told me that. Is like I prepared them, I prepared them for a 20-year career and not just what they were gonna do for me in the moment. So, so uh with regards to women, when I ended up burning out, which we're gonna talk about, and leaving my career, and when I got it back together, I didn't necessarily want to tell my story and share my journey. I wanted to talk about leadership because I was an iconic and prolific leader. Let's be clear. Results are they're they're still being demonstrated to this day. And and but there was a need for women and I, I you know it's just like women have the most limited conversations and there are articles that are written about what women can't do there are books that are written about women can't what women can't do there are studies written about what women can't do and so I've never seen that with men there are whole events mm. and empowerment events to talk about what women can't do so I was like all right fine I'll come on out here in this space so it's, it's been it's been a journey ever since so let me tell you something that I absolutely love and I embrace and I appreciate you modeling it. And I want to see more of it, especially from women of color. And that is claiming and owning um, what we feel like is are our superpowers and what makes us good at what we do. So what you said was, I am an iconic prophylactic leader. And I love, 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 love that you own that. You know, I really do. I mean, so many times we shy away, especially as women, going back to kind of what you were alluding to, we shy away from, from really just leaning into what our superpowers are and, and, and claiming that and socializing it because we've been told that it makes us arrogant, but when men do it, they're just being assertive, they're being leaders. And so anyway, I just wanted to give you kudos around how in which you, you framed those, those that language as you were talking and defining yourself. Um, so I want to I want to talk about these eight books because as I was reading your bio, I was like, wait, what? How? No, it's actually no, it's eight months. I'm getting the the numbers confused, but it's actually five number one best selling books on Amazon in eight months. Okay, so let me just tell you, Christy, I my book released at the end. It was book number three for me, but there was years in between. But this last one, it released at the end of um, January. And so my book baby is like, what, I don't know, six, seven, eight months old. And 
I have no inkling, no feelings, no desire, no nothing, nothing to start another writing process. And so when I read that, I mean, literally, I think I had a little bit of palpitations going on. I'm like, what in the world? So I, you have to, you have to tell us how did this happen and how did you do it? Well, it's interesting because I'm actually sitting on seven books that I haven't published, seven that are fully done. So, and I've done mm -hmm. nine. Uh, I think it was in a two-year period, but doing five and eight months was more impressive as a stat. So the 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 thing about um I would say about me, one, I'm a super nerd. Two, I've always been that leader that's wanted to learn stuff and share, but I got into trouble, which is what a lot of women do, is that we 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 walk around with all this knowledge and we give it to other people, but we aren't doing it ourselves. Right. We know what we should be doing but we're not necessarily gonna do it, but we read stuff to give other people advice and then we don't do it. And so after burning yes. out and um, you know, reading all and now applying the information that I learned, there are a couple of things that happened that, that let me know that it was okay because I was terrified of my power. Dr. Mm. Nika, like I was, because I was powerful, and and if I walk around as a 20,000 watt light bulb, I can light up the whole city or I can burn down the whole village. Let's choose how you're going to use it. And so over time in my career and fighting and just to exist and I got to go to work and I got to fight and, and I got to prove you wrong. And I thought that when I joined that and they told me I, I would never make it. And now that I have all of the success and I got all these accolades, I thought that they would accept me. Um, And I, and I know we're going to get to that, but it's like, once I burned out, then I had to start using the information that I never implemented for myself, but I gave to my mentees because they're frolicking, they're happy, they're married, they have churn, right? Like <laughs> they are doing the same things that I did. And so yeah. once I got my mind back right, now it's like, God was like, basically, now it's time for you to pour. And so being in my brother's house with no money, no nothing, no nothing, I was just trying to cut a deal with God to get out of my brother's house. That's pretty much how I did it. Like, if I published the first book, you'd be like, all right, God, am I, can I get out now? I was like, no, all right, so let's do two in two weeks. So I published two books in, in, on the same day, wrote those books in two weeks. I'm like, this, can I go now? No, okay. So then it was like the next book. So really, that was just me cutting a deal of now restoring me financially back to the place that I was before I lost everything. Wow. And so this was during the time that you were, because you mentioned staying with your brother, that was during yeah. the time that you were in South Carolina, right? Yeah, I had time. I had time, girl. I had, had time, time on your hands, yes. No, but, the, but regardless, even having like all of the time, right, that we are are gifted, you know, uh, in, a, uh, in a day, still writing five books in eight months is just like, I mean, you're right. That is a darn impressive stat. See, again, you own these things. I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay. So you said something that I want to kind of unpack. You said that um, you were terrified of your power and um, that resonated with me. Do you foresee and perceive that that is kind of the same as, you know, someone saying, I'm scared of success? Because when I used to hear someone being scared of success, I used to be like, well, what? what we live for. We want to be successful and significant. We want to make a difference and have an impact. So talk to me about, um, go a little bit deeper into you being terrified of your power. I am a pattern breaker and generational change maker for my family, point blank period. I'm an alpha woman and I'm a little crazy, right? You got to be crazy to be that person. And I'm the weirdo in my family and I'm the black sheep in my family. And I've always been like this loner because I'm, I am powerful because I came here to, to do great things in the world. The problem is, is when people don't understand it, 
and and then and then they um make me uncomfortable with just being who I am. I'm existing in full power. I am a powerful woman. And so over time, being the weirdo and wanting to be accepted and then going to college and then joining a career, over time I started to distort my energy to make people comfortable with me. And you can't do it. It's like a light bulb, it's it's not gonna work. And so we start to lose clarity on who we are when we have to fight people just to exist in who we are people are judging who i am because i'm making them uncomfortable people want me to turn down my light to make them uncomfortable and so over time that turns that that fear i would say and the distortion turns into pain which turns into hell Right. Name it. So yeah. now it's like I'm lighting people on fire. And Aaliyah had this movie, like it was a vampire movie back in the day, where she would just walk by people and do her hand like this and they would catch on fire. So now it's like I'm inflicting pain on you because you're creating pain for me to distort my vision. And so it was just, it was a lot. And it's exhausting because we're existing and we're in a bubble and 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 we're uncommon in our families, we're uncommon in the workplace. And so it's very lonely. And so walking around and doing that, I didn't know that there were other women in, you know, maybe one in their organization or one, two miles away, a nurse down the street that's catching it, you know, a, a woman that's a doctor down the street and a lawyer that's being ostracized in an organization. And so I became terrified because I started to use my power in the darkness, right? And yeah. I started to cuss men out. You say something to me, I will cuss you out, talk about your mom and call you 45 different B-I-T-C-H's in two minutes. I was a military officer, so I didn't really play that. And so now what God gave me for good is now used to inflict pain on other people who created pain for me first. And here's the thing, Dr. Nika, Dr. Yeah, Dr. Nika, they started it, okay? Like they would say something petty, <laughs> you know, Men always got something to say in a the room. They started it and I would finish it. But then when I finished it and I burned down the whole room and now I've created a victim, nobody ever remembers who started it. And so anyway, so after burning out is like, all right, how do I now balance, you know, the fear of if I own my full power, how, how is the world going to handle that? And it took a little bit of time of me talking and 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 sharing and writing the books and doing the videos. And then one day somebody pissed me off and I did a video and I, I launched it on LinkedIn. And that was like the most viewed, the most comment. I'm like, oh, okay, y'all like that? Because that's actually how I talk. <laughs> that was like not just being comfortable with myself um, because I'm very comfortable who I am, but now sharing that on a larger platform and not worrying about how other people feel about it. Yeah. So that level of authenticity is something that I think people, many people spend a lifetime trying to, trying to, to be able to, to emulate and to model. And so the fact that you do it so freely um, is, is a gift. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. So thank you. Thank you for showing up as your authentic self today with this, with this community and this audience. So I want to talk about some of this great goodness that you are able to impart and pour into all of the people that you touch through your coaching, through your mentorship. And, and let's first talk about some of the, the more common challenges that women face in the workplace. And, and what are some of those coaching tips that you provide to help women to um, navigate those challenges? I would say the biggest challenge are, are women are, are, are misplaced. 
right? Like yeah. if, if I'm in an organization where people are always asking me, who do you think you are? I should not be there. <laughs> You no, know, it's like if I'm in an organization yeah. where I want to do certain things and people keep saying at your station, at your position, yeah. we're not going to allow you to do this. It wasn't that I wasn't capable. It's just that they weren't going to allow me because I wasn't in the position that allowed that. Right. And, you know, the military is kind of hierarchical. Right. And, and so they give it to somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, who's not as qualified, a man, because it wasn't that many of us in, in the organization. And then they jam it up. Right. Which is so that's the frustrating part of it. And had I known or had I had the courage, but again, you know, it's I'm seeking security. I was a military officer. I was supposed to do 20 years that I was supposed to be gone. And I resigned with three and a half years left to retire with a full pension. But had I had the courage to just leave or to go seek who wanted my intellectual property, highly valuable intellectual property, who would have treated me fairly, I wouldn't have stayed there. And I had people who offered me jobs all the time. Like mm -hmm. these women are offered jobs all the time, but we become stuck on safe. Yeah. People, other people saw my power. They saw my strength. They loved it. They was like, look, Chrissy, are you? And I, and I was like, oh, I'm loyal. I'm loyal to dysfunction. I'm loyal to being disrespected. I'm loyal to my persecutors all for a sense of what they owe me, but I was going to die trying to get it. <laughs> I wouldn't have yeah. made it to the 20 year retirement. I would have died before that. And a lot of women are. So I would say that's the biggest thing is that women are playing safe and they're playing small. And then they're getting harassed and it's because they're out of position. Yeah. So I'm with Alina. We both kind of went to the chat um, pretty, you know, right back to back. And don't be stuck on safe. That was really powerful. Don't be stuck on safe. And so outside of not being stuck on safe, um, what else do you share with women to help them boost their confidence and their assertiveness um, in professional settings? Because that's a challenge for a lot of women. Well, it's it's typically in a professional setting if you're out of place. And, and it's the same thing that I talked about earlier is distorting your energy to make other people comfortable with you. At a certain level, Dr. Nika, is like we're so uncomfortable with who we are. We offset the energy in the room. So our uncomfortability with ourselves is making other people uncomfortable. So a part of yeah. getting the salary raises and, and getting the new jobs and having interviewers run my clients down and be like, hey, we're going to skip all of this. We're just going to offer you this job is because people want senior women on their team. People yeah. want women on their team. They don't want an unstable, crazy woman on their team. And so it's, yeah. it's like they made us this way. And then they yeah. persecute us and judge us for what the environment created. But it's not their mm. responsibility to fix what was broken. It's our responsibility yeah. to own our power and to understand that we are so uncomfortable with ourselves and we're so powerful when we walk in the room, we're making other people uncomfortable. And if we understood what our true power was and if we understood our intellectual property and our value in the market, we won't put up with being disrespected. People do what yeah. we allow them to do. So it's a yeah. vicious cycle that we get caught in. I mean, it could be like, 20 different Legos of how we create these toxic work environments, but it starts with us trying to, to diminish our power to make other people uncomfortable and then get mad when they treat us like we're small. And then being out of position and stuck in organizations where we're not being paid our value while becoming complacent and complaining about something that we have all the power to change if we just had the courage to do it. 
That is really powerful. Um, so we have to get in the right position. We have to um, don't become stuck on safe. And I also want to challenge something too, because I'm interested in understanding, Christy, your um, your perception of where does the shared accountability though come in? Because I hear you say what we need to do as women. I truly believe in all of that. We have to make sure that we're accepting the self-agency to do what we can, control what we can, right? And we can't control a lot of things that are outside of our control, obviously. But what's the shared accountability and responsibility on these organizations who are creating cultures and environments that Again, that are making it hard for women to 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 have level of confidence and to be able to to stand, you know, upright in a position that really embodies all that they have to offer in that in that professional space. You know, there there are people who fight at the organization level, and then I go beat the women in the head, right? Like that's not my battle, <laughs> you know. And got and it, got it. I try to do it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't get the teenagers and the kids, and so you know, I do believe that organizations are responsible however come however so i was in my organization for years and then i ended up working on capitol hill for the late great elijah cummings on the oversight committee and investigative committee of my organization so uh -huh. it's like you're going at the top top of your organization and you're pulling the curtain back and you're looking at the cluster of like what's happening and so i'm doing all these things i'm sitting on the dei committee um mentoring 90 black officers outside of my organization of the 160 people who work for me i'm i'm training like the young men and i talked about earlier like two of my guys are in that office but four of the people from that from that office um and we call it msu port arthur it was it was a small yeah. office Four are in that elite office because I trained those junior officers. And so it overflowed into other guys that weren't directly connected to me. Does that make sense? So four in the elite yes. office alone. And so when I think about what organizations are responsible for, so I'm doing all these things, I'm working 80 hours a week, I'm burning through my childbearing years, I'm single, I'm rubbing my own leg at night, seeing a tweet, right? Like I have all these things that I'm doing, Dr. Nika, to be able to empower people and change the organization. But when I pull that curtain back and I worked on the investigative and oversight committee, I saw that no matter what I did individually, there was a machine that was working 24 hours a day that was pumped in by 50 different people to keep it like it was. So what yeah. my goal is to teach women is to, and that actually started the unraveling of one, my mental health, because I'm like, I have this whole regret thing of, oh my God, I can't believe I spent my whole life doing these things. And I have a machine that's working 24 hours a day that's pumped in by other people to, to unravel what I've done. And then it's like, am I going to spend my time controlling what I can control? Or am I going to go try to fight this machine that's working against me? I just choose freedom. And it took me almost dying to get to this point. It took me almost dying and working myself to death to own how great I am, let's be clear, and then to own my power and be unapologetic about it. And so the stuff that I teach is that I had to learn the hard way. My goal is to prevent women from doing the exact same thing. So I'm not going to say that organizations aren't accountable because they are, but it's like, how long are we going to wait? for organizations to do something as opposed to understanding that there are organizations that want us on their team. There are people who want us on their team. There are people who, I mean, when I say they fling the door open for women who are confident and secure and harmonious with themselves first, oh, they they want it all the time. And so it's 
creating a new conversation in the market that we don't have to put up with that mess. We could just shake the dust from our feet and carry on. It's in the Bible. This is so powerful. So I'm, I'm, by the way, when I show up to these conversations, even though I'm posting, I am, I am in the learner seat as well. And so I'm just, I'm just soaking it all up the way that hopefully this audience is. And so, um, yeah, there was so many different clarity break moments in, in what you just shared. And I want to just kind of um, socialize around what's coming up for me. The first is the use of the word machine was very intentional for you. And I love that. Um, someone placed into the chat, choosing freedom from the machine is powerful. It really is power. And um, and I love that language because you're right. So much of what happens that uh, we feel like we have no control over, those are well-oiled machines that have been well-oiled for decades and decades and decades. So sometimes it can feel really defeating to um, have a perception that we're going to now be able to tackle that. It's important. Don't get me wrong, I'm like you. I think that is we need people that are focused on those machines. But I love the fact that you are you're so clear in your focus and your purpose, which is I want to work on the women. That is what my ministry is. That is where my focus is. And that's where I want to spend my time and my energy. And I think there's something to be said for that. The other clarity break was when you were talking earlier, and these are my words, not yours, but what I kept hearing when you were saying we can't, we need to stop allowing things, right? Is what you tolerate will continue. And I don't think that we lean into that enough because we tolerate a lot of stuff as women in the workplace. And no wonder these machines are so powerful and well-oiled because we aren't speaking up enough to change that. And um, anyway, I think I think that that is really resonating with me, and I hope it is with this audience, too. And folks are letting us know, Christy, that it is resonating through their comments into the chat. Um, so I want to talk about your educational experience because it is incredibly um, admirable. It is impressive. You know, of course, you are a Harvard Business School alumni. Um, you've also had training from Georgetown University in terms of your executive leadership coaching. And so I want you to share with this community, how have these educational experiences shaped your approach to coaching and leadership development and even the way that you show up in spaces today? Well, you know, um, I'm always talking about stop getting all these degrees. And, and this is what I learned about a lot of women. Women don't have a plan for their degree. All of my stuff was planned. So as, as I'm anti-education and getting a gazillion things, there has to be a plan. And so when I got my MBA, it's because 98% of the leaders, senior leaders in my organization had an MBA. So I had to check that box, check. Wow. Then I went to a conference and this lady started talking about coaching. And I was like, oh my God, that's what I do. That's what they call it. Wait, and people get paid for this? Like, because in the military, we call it mentorship and it's free. And I'm like, this is exactly what I do. So, so that's why I ended up going to Georgetown. And so culinary school was just like a lifelong dream of, I always wanted to be a pastry chef. The first book I read was the Betty Crocker cookbook. And so I ended up going to culinary school. And so then it was like, okay, I'm not, I'm not doing anything else. And so once I burned out and fell apart, it's it's Harvard for me was this gift because one of my friends called me and I'll deny it all the time, but he called me for like a year and a half. He's like, Chris, you need to go to Harvard and and the GI Bill will pay for it. And I wasn't I wasn't doing anything. And I'm just like lingering. And so I had this vision of of the the, the organization that I have today. But I couldn't close the gap because I didn't know the language. I was a military officer. I didn't know how to speak corporate. And so I kept running into these hurdles of I didn't speak the language at all. And so I ended up calling a program 
director of this program at Harvard Business School. We ended up getting on the phone. I'm still in my brother's house, Dr. Nika. I had nothing, right? But I had a, I had a past. I, I thought I didn't have anything. And that's why I always tell women, you have everything. We just can't remember. Does that make sense? Like I'm, I'm drinking and watching Lord of the Rings because Frodo was on a journey. So I had this past of being great and, and it's still being demonstrated today. Hallelujah, let's be clear. And then I had this vision of what I wanted to create. And so I talked to this woman and I'm like, I'm in the middle. So, um, you know, can you bet some chips on me? And we ended up talking and she was like, I like you. I said, I like you too. She was like, you know what? Just submit your application. I'm gonna walk it through. But one of the things that I said to her that, that, I don't know if it turned the top because we ended up talking for like 20, 30 minutes. It was supposed to be like a five minute conversation. Uh, I had somebody that was known already that introduced me. So relationships are important. Yeah. And then she, her dad was in the military. So she understood like, cause nobody really understands, um, you know, professionally we get attached to these titles, but if people don't understand how that translate and we can't communicate that yeah. it's over. So I, I teach that as well, but I told her, I said, you know what? A lot of people account me out. I said, because I'm black, I'm a woman, and I'm a veteran. Most people say that's three strikes, but I'm going to tell you the fourth thing that people are considering. I'm a champion. I said, so it don't even matter. That's like the lesser of the, of the minorities that people say that you're going to count me out because I got three strikes as a minority. I said, but the fourth one is always going to make sure I win. She was like, oh, I like you. I like you too, girl. <laughs> so that's how I got in. And so it's, it's, um, it's almost like a full circle moment because she's always, you know, in my inbox and we talk all the time. It's like, she can now see what I saw. And she was yeah. like, Christy, you know what? When I, when I took a chance on you, it's either this is going to be a great idea or it's going to be a terrible idea. And now she sees that. And actually her sister came through our program and like is on the whole glow up. And so that was, and that was earlier this year. So that's a full circle moment for me, for sure. I love that. Um, and we do have to be champions of, of ourselves and, and, you know, take the, the, the self-advocacy approach um, in a way that's very intentional. I do believe that. And what you're communicating to us is that when we do that, it separates us, right, from the pack. It gives us that wedge. And so even more reason that we shouldn't shy away from, you know, again, owning um, all of, of, of what makes us valuable into any space. And so we have to name that. So I'm going to shift in a little bit and we will invite our audience to share any questions or comments that you may have for our guest co-host today, Christy Rutherford. And if you're part of our Zoom community, you can do so by using the raise hand feature. And that lets me know that you're willing for uh, me to invite you to unmute yourself and we'll add you to the spotlight. Um, but you also may just want to communicate your questions into the chat, and that's fine as well. We will make sure we present those questions with the time that we have. And if you're joining LinkedIn Live, then you can go to the comments to share your questions. And my team is bringing that over into this chat um, so that we can make sure your voice is heard as well. So while you're percolating on maybe your questions or curiosities, I'm going to go to the next question for Christy, and then I will look for any raised hands or questions into the chat. So it's a similar question, Christy, to the other one about your educational experiences and how that has shaped the way that you show up. Uh, the question relates, though, to your experiences that are pretty vast around, you know, other type of, of opportunities. Like I read in your bio, responding to the needs of citizens and after Hurricane Katrina, um, your work in the House of Representatives. And so can you share a little bit about how those experiences um, that are unique in of themselves have influenced your leadership style and your coaching approach? You know, it's interesting about um 
the the my career. It was vast. It was amazing. I love my job. Like I love what I did. I love the people who work for me. I just didn't like fighting every day. And and I thought that if I got everything you said I couldn't have, and I checked all the boxes, that I would get my gold star. And the fights just became pettier. <laughs> yeah. Right. The executive leadership table was Nightmare on Elm Street started every morning at eight o'clock. So like the, <laughs> the, the things that we fought for and that I wanted when I got there, every serial killer was sitting at the table with me. Jason, you know, Freddy Krueger, the Chucky doll was sitting across from the table. That's but funny. You know, the, I've heard, the, the, I've heard the analogy of like the Sunday scaries. And so that's what this is reminding me of. <laughs> Everybody, it's, it's a whole nightmare. And then you get in the room and you're like, what have I done? But had I arrived in the room whole, right? Had I arrived in the room with with owning my power, had I arrived in the room knowing exactly who I was, I don't think that it would have been as bad. It would have been, yeah. you know, you know, Sesame Street compared to being Nightmare on Elm Street because internal the internal battles that I had was Nightmare on Elm Street. So going back to Katrina, you know, my my expertise, I'm an emergency manager. So we're first responders. When something pops off, boom, we got to show up, right? So it's it's highly stressful. But what's interesting about Katrina is we we got to this base and I'm the senior person actually on the base, the only black woman, I think the only black officer, which was common. And I created a whole system and a structure around keeping us safe because we had, I think it was about 300 people at the, at the, um, it was about a hundred people there from like 16 different places initially. And then somebody, some other team came with like a hundred people and everybody's going out. Nobody's keeping track. We didn't, we don't do that. Dr. Nika, does that make sense? But because yeah. Katrina was new and, and responding to hurricanes was new, nobody was keeping track of like, you know, who was there. And if somebody goes out, we don't know who's there. So we don't know where they went. Right. That's not how we operated as an organization. So I worked 20 hour days to set up the structure I drew out the whole map in the chart and the, and the men told me to kiss their ASS and they cussed me out of my face and they said, no, we're not going to help you. And if you want to do it, you do it yourself. But after I implemented it and almost worked myself to death, which was common, five, six days later, they were like, we're so glad you did that. And then was, you know, the, the, the uh, bittersweet part, however you want to call it, when I left, they had four men came to, to do my job because I did that for 14 days, 20 hour days. And they came to pick me up. I was delirious. Like I was, they said I was in the truck, like talking to myself in the background. Like I almost worked myself to death. But then when it came time for the awards, Dr. Nika, they didn't remember my uh, name. I got yeah. the exact same award as the men who did nothing. And uh, so, you know, what, what that taught me was sometimes, you know, when you show up one, God is always keeping score. So let's be clear, but it's like, you know, I, I wouldn't change it, but I don't think I needed to work that hard. Right. Like, did we need all of that? I think we did. Actually, I probably I wouldn't change it. I, I would I would do it all over again because it's like if I had this idea and somebody would have gotten hurt or had been missing and I didn't create what I needed to create in the moment, um, you know, I, I would have some guilt around that. But that's that's what I learned there is like, you know, you're, you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. But I just took that one in my heart as a win. Uh, Capitol mm -hmm. Hill was amazing because I had a break from the Coast Guard and all the egos and the chest bumping and the, you know, because I'm in an organization, they they bump each other's chest and they have ego. I didn't work for them. So I'm like a fake civilian is what I call it because I wore a suit every day and I walked around and they worked nine to five. And I was like, well, can I work from seven to, to six? And the guy was like, no, we work from nine to five. Like me actually not 
being high strung and working 80 hours a week, I had to work from like nine to five and that was it. And I took two hour lunches and I went over here and had lunch. And so I never really had a life before. And so it forced me to slow down long enough and be like, what makes me happy? Because these people ain't working, you know, from six o'clock in the morning to 10 o'clock at night. Like right. they, they're not doing all of that and they weren't for that. And so then I started watching Oprah, you know, and, and watching <laughs> Wayne Dyer and Gary Zukoff. And then I was in color, you know, I went to um, actually Georgetown and, and, and my classmates talked about authenticity. I was so embarrassed. I didn't know what it meant. And they talked about authenticity for like two weeks and I read books about it. I was too embarrassed to ask them, what does being authentic mean? Until in the program, when I remembered who I was, like I remembered my seventh grade self before I started to adopt my perspective of, oh, we don't have no money because you got people, teenagers driving Lexuses and I got to drive a, a 18 van. Does that make sense? When you start to compare yourself to other people and, and then before you conform into the organization and before you go to college and all these other kind of things, I'm like, oh, back when we were pure uh, in, in who we were before we started the comparison, before you had to diminish your shine and make other people comfortable with you. And to me, that's what authenticity is, is like the younger version of who we are. And then I had to grow that person up. So, of course, this person um, that I was what, could not exist in an organization that didn't support who I wanted to be. It didn't it didn't support the butterflies and the rainbows and the unicorn riding is I had to be like a warrior. Um, so that was a part of the conflict as well, which is why I left. So you embody authenticity, and, and I love that you have shared with this community that you, you, I mean, basically you studied it, you immersed yourself in what does this look like? What does this look like in practice? What does this look like from just a psychological, convictional belief perspective? And how can I follow in, in, in that realm? And, um, and I will say that I think that it has served you well, because when I think about your following and I think about people that gravitate to you, I would imagine that it is because you aren't putting on a facade. You show up consistently as Christy Rutherford, you know, take me or leave me. I know my power. I know my value. And again, I just think that's so admirable. Um, I'm watching the chat and Tracy shares this. She it resonated with her when you mentioned you can love your job and it not love you. That is so true. Yeah, that is that is absolutely so true. Um, so I, I haven't said this before in this conversation. I want to take a moment to do it now. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your service to our country. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for your service to the citizens of New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina came and just devastated lives. Um, I think that's important to share. And um, I do see a hand raise. And so I am going to call on Kay Scott. And um, Kay, feel free to unmute yourself and share at this time. Um, Christy, it's 2023. Hey, Kay. Can you all hear me? Yeah, we can. Okay. It's 2023 and Katrina still hurts. Hmm. And um, life is not the same. But I want to say thank you. Um, I don't, I don't want to keep you all because it hurts. But thank you. What she said, and if anyone never believed her, this is how you know she's telling the truth. It was five days before our organization came, and we never know. All I know from Katrina is Michael Brown and FEMA, and they didn't give a damn about us. 
and I know it's different races on this, but I want to say this, and I'm sorry it's being recorded. We were poor niggas in a city that they didn't give a damn about. And I'm very thankful that God used you. Thank you. So don't ever think you were overlooked. Thank you. You're welcome. We were there. We were there working, looking, searching. So um, thank you so much, Kay. Like a lot of people say, you know, that um, nobody showed up, which is triggering for me because I was there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were there. I mean, um, so so thanks for that, Kay. Thank you. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't about the award for me. It was like, can I can I get past that and just tuck that in my heart and knowing that, you know, we saved 27,000 people that would have died had we not shown up. So. Yeah. No, Kay, that was that was powerful. Thank you for your vulnerability. And um, I I appreciate also you naming that it's been several years and it's still very painful. And I, I don't want this community at least to to forget that. So thank you for reminding us of that. I think that's that's really important. Um, how does that feel, Christy, when you hear stuff like that? You know, it's, um, Katrina, I think it was, it was devastating for everybody, right? Like some of that, I, I, I try to block out myself. And then it's also very rewarding because, you know, we, we were there, like I've done great work in my life. And so it's, it's, um, for me, is remembering some of the things that I've done and, and some of the, you know, even when I talked about the guys that work for me, and I've had a few women, right, that work for me, but a, a lot of the men is like, if if I'm if I'm out of here tomorrow, I've done great work in the world. I've made my impact. Now, I'm not done because I still got a lot of women I want to beat in the head. But if I, you know, my time is up, <laughs> I can look back on the things that I've done and and count it all joy and that's what i want a lot of women to do is like we've done great work we've served people we served our families and we don't ever stop and smell the roses that we planted we don't stop and and look at the flowers and the things that we've done and it, and we don't expect good to to happen for us because we think that we need to do one more thing to be able to receive what we want it's just like no stop smell the roses and look at what you've done count it all joy and then live from that place. So, um, so definitely, thank yeah. you so much. You know, that that's important. We just spent a lot of time. Uh, what other box can I check? What other, and sometimes we'll make up boxes that really are so irrelevant just to be able to check it. And, um, and I think that's also hindering us from, from really fully um, living in our power. Um, so I'm with you, Ebony, who shared in the chat, when a woman comes into her power, it can save lives. Literally, we've, we've heard about that in this conversation. I want to remind each of you, especially for those that may have joined after I read um, Christy Rutherford's bio. But um, so Christy is the 13th African-American woman to achieve the rank of commander in the U.S. Coast Guard, 230. 30 plus year history where her demographic was 0.1%. It was, it was worth repeating. And I want to lean into that a little bit more with this next question, Christy. So as the 13th African-American woman to achieve the rank of commander in the U.S. Coast Guard history, you've obviously broken barriers. So what advice do you have for women, Christy, who aspire to break through similar barriers in their careers and professions. I mean, you've shared so much with us so far, but what else have you not really socialized around that you feel like is really important to place into the hearing of this community? 
you know, it, it's, it's great on the bio. It sounds real good. I'm real shiny. However, come. There always have a but, right? Because it's always don't be like me. It's when we we want to shatter these glass ceilings. And when people always say, this is the first black woman woman to do this, and this is the first African American woman to do this, and this is the first, this is the first, I have to pray for that woman. <laughs> like pray for her. I'm not clapping like everybody else. I'm like, pray for her yeah. because yeah, you know, so a lot point. of times when we break these glass ceilings, a lot of us succumb to the shards of the glass in the breaking. Mm, that's We're so true. We're not arriving whole. We're not arriving sane. We're not arriving with all of our mental and our physical health. So if we can stop long enough to take care of ourselves, they will open the door for us, Dr. Nika. We don't have to die in, in the fight. We don't have to die in the battle. We don't have to die and succumb to the wounds that was caused during the glass of the breaking. And so right. when you find yourself beating on a concrete wall, because that's what I felt like in my career, is like, I'm going mad. Like, it's madness and 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 actually clinically insane i have was diagnosed i had to get past that right I'm like that's that's not true it was true but it's not true but i almost went or i would say i went clinically insane beating my head on a concrete wall that should have taught me i don't belong there yes why am i fighting i didn't even want that so let's be clear i didn't necessarily want to be a senior military officer i did it because they say i couldn't <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like so we get locked into doing things that we don't want to do to prove people wrong. And so I'm so far down in my organization that why would I leave that? Like I'm gonna get this money in the next three and a half years. It's like, are you doing what you want to do or are you doing what people told you that you couldn't do? And so now you are a senior lead in an organization, you're miserable, you're drunk, you're fat. All right. And it's because you don't want to be there. You got to eat food and drink wine to soothe the pain of your soul because you know you're you're out of alignment with your assignment. You know your soul is longing to be free. Like I want to be who I am. And so creating this in my organization, the best part of uh, of I would say my work in the organization and was still paying dividends today was the coaching and the mentorship. But I'm doing mm -hmm. all these other things. And so we're giving away our intellectual property to our organization. And we're creating these pet projects, which is actually should be our businesses. And I know I went long yeah. in that and I gave you all like five different things, but it but it all matters, right? Yeah, no, it definitely all matters. We're glad that you gave us all the things. Um, and, and again, <laughs> it's just as every time that you share with us, there's I, I always walk away with, with additional thoughts that really resonate with me. Um, I think we need to unpack. We probably don't have the time today, but... I really wish we could unpack just why we feel like we need to be in spaces that don't want us, right? There's something to be said for that. And I don't know, Christy, if in you know all of your years of experience, you have been able to, um, to unpack that yourself. Why? Why is it that we want to be in spaces that don't want us? You know, I mean, it sounds easy to just, well, go somewhere else, but what's, what's your thoughts on that? Well, we're, we're accustomed to being rejected. We're accustomed to not fitting in. We're the ones who came forth to break generational patterns for our family. We've existed in pain for a long time. The job is just a continuation of that. We've existed in pain by being That's the weirdos sad. in our family. We've existed in pain by being the powerful person in our family. We've, we've had people talk to us sideways long before we got to work. 
work is just a continuation of that. We've been told that we won't amount to much. We've been told what we couldn't do long before we got to the job. The only yeah. thing the job did was just, it was just the next, like that was just part three of the story that we've had. So now it's like, why are we loyal to dysfunction and why are we holding on to security and 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 we're hoping that this job is going to make us feel safe and we're in hell every day right looking for them to give us psychological safety while we're trying to chase security for the money that's not going to work and so i think yeah. if we slow down long enough which which is what we can't do because we're addicted to working and proving people wrong and and we've created this you know these jobs where we're working endlessly we don't slow down long enough to actually ask ourselves and reflect on what do i really want in life yeah. like what do i want and and there are so many narratives that are going around dr dika is like we're nobody's asking a woman to stop long enough and actually to get my clients to stop we have to have a whole 45 minute conversation of what does it mean to do nothing right it was like do nothing they're like what do you mean right we have to like break that down that's a course on how to do nothing for high team high team women is like so we'll die with our dreams unfulfilled or we haven't even dreamed we stop dreaming and we just started proving people wrong and so we exist in these organizations because we're already accustomed to being in pain. The pain is just a continuation of that. And it's, and what's interesting, I was telling my coaches last week, after 2020, and I said it, I said it in 2020, I was like, there are women who are going to use this pain to be able to adjust and, and go create a new story. And then there are women who want to go back to better days and they're sticking their head in the sand. And we're going to see who those women are a couple of years later. I'm seeing these women now who chose to do nothing. They, they're different. I mean, I just tried to clean it up, but they different, Dr. Nika. I'd be like, my God. So now they're like stuck in, I mean, it's almost like number six oil. And we went from quicksand to number six is like that dark, sticky oil that you got to like sludge, you got to pull them out of. It's like the... And, and existing in that, and then you have all of these conversations around, you know, mental health and how function anxiety and how function and depression. And now it's the labeling of these things to give women permission to stay where they are and not move. And when I got this a couple of weeks ago, you know, I was like, you got to help them. I said, uh -uh, I ain't signed up for that. I had to take a nap for three days. I was like, I, I can't even pull these women out of the mud. It's like, I, now I'm fighting what people believe to be medical conditions, people think that imposter syndrome is a medical condition, which is insane, right? And so we're yeah. buying into all of these narratives as opposed to understanding that we have to save ourselves and nobody is responsible for coming to get you. Your job is not responsible for your mental health. Your manager is just as crazy as you are. They are not responsible for your psychological safety. It's like you have to ensure your own so you don't die waiting for somebody else to provide that for you. Like those two black women college presidents died two, two, two weeks yes. ago. Yes. Right? Like, they were waiting for somebody to do something too, or not. Like we don't know their story. So we can't keep creating this narrative of what we should be doing. Or this is my favorite one. And I'm gonna stop talking because I'm on a road, but it's like, women always be like, in case somebody needs to hear this. No, you need to hear it. Somebody else needs to hear this. No, you need to hear it. And you need to eat this food and get to it as opposed to like passing it out. So we're consuming information to give to other people while laughing at, while, while we're, you know, all mentally, struggling and having nervous breakdowns that's not funny there are so many memes that are going around where women are like oh i'm typing my 
you know, best friend, she drinking wine and I'm talking to my best friend who's on the verge of a nervous breakdown trying to stop him having a nervous breakdown while I'm on the verge of a nervous breakdown. And people are like, oh girl, I feel seen. That's so funny. I'm like, that's not funny. So you're going to admit that you're crazy. You're not going to do anything about it. Only because I broke up and went crazy, Dr. Nika, and almost died to now come back and say, girl, you better save yourself because burnout is catastrophic. Burnout is catastrophic mentally and physically and financially. It took me four years to put my mom back right. It took me seven years to recover financially. And that took a toll on my family. My family did not deserve. Now, my cousins who thought it was funny because I burned out, don't even get me started on that. But my brother did not deserve to have a psychopath on his couch. <laughs> you know, you know, he didn't deserve to, that. That um, Had I taken care of myself, my family had to take care of me the first, right? The only, the first person in my family to graduate from college. You know, that me learning these lessons came at a great sacrifice. But we need to stop long enough to take care of ourselves and get clear on where we belong now with our 15, 20, 25 years of intellectual property, with our 15 you know, years of experience. And don't put up with a bunch of mess from other people, but they are doing what we allow them to do. They're paying us less because we haven't asked. They're paying us half of what these managers are making because we don't have the courage to ask for it and shake the dust from our feet and carry on. So it's like there are organizations who want women. They want powerful women. They want us on their team. We have to get out of our own way and have the courage to step out and find out as opposed to staying safe in the corner. Yo, I, I wish I had a mic right now. The proverbial mic is being dropped right now. I want to remind this audience too, that one of the things that I um, shared as I was reading your bio is that your clients have received over 11 million and salary raises in the pandemic. And so if we're not receiving this information from someone that we believe to truly get it, then I don't know what's gonna help us get it. I'm seeing your remarks in the chat. Many of you are saying, yes, we need Christy back. And I could not agree more. We are out of time, but I wanna give you our final 15, 30 seconds to close us out, Christy, in whatever way that feels appropriate to you. What would you like to leave us with? Uh, one, we're at 12.8 because that was my two month ago stat when Amora got it. But uh, $12.8 million in raises since 2020. Uh, but the what I want to was $100,000 that was got last week. But anyway, so what I want to leave the women with is, you know, you you got to have the courage to just own how great you already are. Look in the mirror and just claim how great you already are. And don't be afraid about how other people feel about it. Don't be afraid who's going to judge you for loving yourself. Love it. Learning to love yourself is, a, is the greatest miracle. And that's the greatest gift that you can give yourself. And don't care about how other people feel about it. You were uniquely designed. You were uniquely created. Perfect in his image to be able to come forth and do great things for yourself first for your family, and then for your community and for the world, if you choose. So I really just want to give women permission to just simply relax in their, relax in your power. When you relax in your power, they will relax with your power. And the people who don't like it can just, they can, they'll just disappear and they will leave you alone. And so, you know, I, I really just want y'all to, you know, y'all got to save yourself. You know, nobody's coming for you, sis. Nobody's coming for you. Nobody's responsible for pulling you out of the mud. You got to save yourself. And um, and really, that's just a lot of work and and stop serving and start eating. Y'all got to stop serving and start eating. I think that was We're so, grateful. <laughs> We're so grateful. We're so grateful. We're so grateful. 
Thank you, Christy. Thank you so much. Thank you to this community that um, has shown up today and um, to be a part of this conversation and this community. We don't take that lightly. Wishing you all a safe and wonderful weekend. Um, last, don't forget, um, Indigenous People Day is October 9th. Thank you all for showing up today. Bye-bye.